I wasn't allowed to go out. My earliest remembering, um, I had two younger brothers and we weren't allowed in the street. Uh, we had a, a sort of a backyard and then a garden and we were kept there and my earliest real memories uh, was of going to Salisbury Field which was an adventure. So Salisbury Field is the one in Fordington? Yes. Yes. Um, so how, what sort of age would you have been then when, when, that, when that first adventure? Oh, seven, eight. Okay, okay. And so, so up to the ages of seven, you wouldn't you wouldn't be allowed to go out outside the house much at all. No, no. You you go to primary school, come uh, back. Yes, and what? Um, well, no, infant school. Infant. infant school, because we lived opposite the infant school. I used to disappear as soon as I was able to walk. And um, I don't remember this, of course. It shows how young I was. When I disappeared, my mother would go across the road to the school. And I'd be sitting amongst the children, probably asleep. And the teacher said, just leave her, she's okay. And I used to wander in and out of the schools. So I started school when I was about, officially, I suppose, Three and a half, four. Oh, right, okay. But prior to that, just going across, um, that was me toddling off. By then, you see, my mother had two other children. So um, there was only two years between us. Uh, but that's the story that mm -hmm. I used to go in and out of the school and sit down and probably go to sleep. That tells you how young I was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was the infant school till I was seven, and there at seven, between seven and... I have to think now, seven, ten, eleven. Um, it was the girls' school in Ison Way, which is now, or has been since the war, um, a sort of um, sports hall, I think, they use it for. That was the that was the girls' primary school. The boys' primary school was in Colleton Street. Um, so from the age of seven plus, though, you started. You were you were allowed to go out and play. Uh, yes. Um, the swings were a great attraction then in Salisbury Field. That was. Oh, the greatest things that sliced bread. Um, the first day they opened, a boy broke his leg. <laughs> I always remember that. And the beadle used to be responsible for locking up. Bear in mind, nobody played in the street or on the swings on a Sunday. Really? No, no. That was a no-no. They were locked up. The swings were locked up? They were locked up. But people would even try to... Oh, no, 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 you didn't. No, 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 you did not try to do anything. You did as you were told. The boys used to get away with a bit, but... It, and 
other thing, it was a very tight-knit community. So if somebody that knew your mother and father, well, my father so much because he was dead, unfortunately, um, new members of the family, you towed the line because the word would get back. By the time you got home, it was a good hiding. So you did as you were told, you see. Got a good wallop across the legs, you know, box here. Um, but that was, it was mostly the boys that did the daredevil things. Um, it was good fun in Salisbury Field when they cut the grass. The grass used to grow quite long and they didn't have any mechanical cutters then. I suppose it was a chap with a sign, I don't know. But anyway, there was a lot of grass and there was so much. We could build dens, you see, and then it was cowboys and Indians. Cowboys and Indians, was a, that was a great game. And the girls, of course, mothers and fathers. Mothers and fathers. I loved my doll's pram. I can remember I was 10, just 10. And the day my father went into hospital, I was in, I remember taking my doll's pram to Prince Wells Road. Now that was an adventure because the people that lived in Prince Wells Road had cars with chauffeurs. So you really were going up market. Southcourt Avenue was in its uh, infancy at that time. And um, perhaps I go back a bit. I was born in my grandparents' house because my father was away at sea. My grandparents retired to Dorchester. My grandfather had been in the Navy and the Coast Guard. And my mother didn't have a house, a home, and such. So I was born in my grandparents' house. They lived next door. Now, this was a disaster because my grandmother was a second Queen Victoria. And because I'd been born in their house, they looked on me as their child. And in later years, she was talking about my father. It wasn't my father, my grandfather she was talking about, which she would forget. Um, and it was dreadful. She, she would march me into town to buy uh, a felt hat that was probably two sizes too big. And then she would pad it round with newspaper because it would, it would last. Yeah. Oh, God. And then in the summer... I had to be taken up to Brayley's in Cornhill for a straw hat, a cream straw hat for the summer. So she would buy these things. I said to my mother once, I said, why did you let her do this? She said, it's all very well for you to talk. But she ruled the roost and she would open the door and walk in any time. They both did. Yes, I bet, bet it annoyed your mother probably more, even more than you, probably. Sorry? It probably annoyed your mother more than you. Oh, don't, and then they would have words, <laughs> and they wouldn't speak for about three months. Even though they were like... And I was in the, I was the go-between. Oh. 
Um, so that was, it was, I look back now and I think it was a strange setup. But common in those days that you would live Oh, outdoors. quite common. You see, there was an awful lot of deaths amongst children. The first thing a couple did was to, and a baby was to take out a life insurance. That's the first thing they did. Because of infant death and childhood. I mean, diphtheria was rife. Consumption was rife. Rickets were rife. Um, there was all those things. And, of course, many um, young mothers died in childbirth. So... That was a priority. You had to get your priorities right. Um, so really, we told the line, and here we are coming up to the 30s, and I did, we did go to the pictures. That's right. It was threepence at the plaza and tuppence at the palace. Which one did you go to? Sorry? Which, which cinema did you go choose to go to? It depended. Oh. I mean, if you only had tuppence, you could only go to the palace. Yeah. <laughs> if you had tuppence, you could go to the palace. But, of course, there was only the palace in Durngate Street until 1933. But, of course, until 1933, um, I could only go if somebody took me. So, um, so which was which? So the palace was tuppence? Tuppence. And the yes. father was... Threepence. And that was, a Saturday, that was a Saturday morning pictures you're talking about there, is it? Saturday afternoon. Um, the palace sometime, for a short time, did a, a morning. But the plaza never did. It was always the afternoon. They had a matinee on a Wednesday and a Saturday. Um... And that was, that was back in those days where you would see a number of films in a show, you see? Oh, yes. You, you all, they started off with... Um, they started start off with the comic film. There was news, the comic film, and the trailers. And there was a break. And then you got the big picture. So it was a very full entertainment looking back. And, and I've always pictured those those occasions because they were full of young people. Oh yes. Quite a raucous affair. Oh it was. It was. I mean girls girls didn't shout and carry on like they do now. No no no. If you were a girl you had to be a young lady. It was the boys. And then of course the cowboy films from the stamping of the feet you know. And the the, there was always um, commissioner. Both cinemas had commissioners, and um, he would walk down and shout at them and threaten to haul them out. And like you say, you tend to, you, would, you would obey authority in those days, so you would instantly everybody would be quiet then. But oh as, yes. But as soon as he'd gone up the aisle again, they'll probably all started up. No, no, no. They didn't dare because he would throw them out. Okay. Yeah. So yes, yeah, all that whooping for the good bar, good guy and booing for the bad guy. That's right. 
Yes. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Mm. A lot of that. Mm. A lot of cowboy and Indian films, were they? That was, see, yes. They didn't have any sex and murder and that kind mm. of thing. Um, and the girls didn't all, all join in with the, with the shouting in, in the no, cinema? No, no, no. No. Even though it's all dark? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, no. Girls didn't do that sort of thing. You just frowned on somebody. But they they just didn't. I mean, the girls... No, it... it you, you were brought up to be young ladies. Oh, bits down the scale, but you you just did not. One of the things that the girls used to do, of course, ate the film stars, or to go, go and see these, um, I remember going to see the Ziegfeld Follies, 1933, these perms and things. We used to titivate ourselves. Um, and then later on, of course, when you left school, oh boy, then you ate the film star. Because the, girl, the boys wouldn't go out with you. That was the thing. The boys were very fussy about the girls they went out with. They wouldn't go out with the girls they are now. Oh, no way. No way. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. Um, so the plaza's the one that's still there now at the moment. Yes. And the palace, where was the palace? Durngate Street. You've got Palace Court. Yeah. Flats. Yeah. I think it's flats. Okay. That's where the palace cinema was. And I'm told that in the 1418 war at that time, when the cinema first became popular, there was a garage underneath. And this hall was above the garage. Right. My grandfather was off in the First World War, even though he'd retired, they called him back. And um, Thursday was Naval Pension Day, the uh, wife's allotment. So my grandmother would go and get her allotment and then stand in the queue to go to the picture drone. The picture drone. I grew up with all these and sometimes I think it was a foreign language. I couldn't fathom out what she was talking about. She used to talk about gutter Persia. And you didn't ask questions. Never, never ask questions. You won't be told lies. <laughs> and it wasn't until I would oh god, I was Was I in the Rens? Twenty could have been twenty on I discovered what this kind of person was. It was the infancy in the rubber industry. <laughs> right. Oh. No, it's, it's, yes, it's very interesting. Use yeah, like, part of this project that the use of language and how it changes. Oh, quite, yeah. Quite an interesting. Yeah. Um, so, when you when all when all the young kids would leave the cinema, would they all be coming out? Would all the boys be coming out? like pretending to be cowboys and shooting down the street, or would they be quite orderly? No, no, they'd come out in an orderly fashion. They had to. Oh, yes, Mr Cottrell, he was the commissioner, and, um, oh, yeah, he wouldn't stand for any nonsense. Nobody would. That's the point, you see. And, and 
they were really defiant. Anybody would cuff their ear. If they went home and complained, they got another cuff to ear. So they kept quiet. That that that's the thing. You see, there were lots of unwritten laws, things that you didn't dare do. Some of the things you you dared and got away with. And, and that's one of the things that the, these type of archives that we're collecting is we want to try to record those type of unwritten rules um, and oh, happen yes. your behaviour because it's not, like I say, it's not in a history book anywhere. No, no. Because um, no. it's interesting, like I say, you've got all that energy in the cinema of booing, shouting, but as soon as you leave it, they've all... Oh, yes. Every, all... Everything. The thing was, everything had a place and there was a place for everything. So you knew your place. And this was a favourite expression. My grandmother's, it's not your place to say anything. You see, it was a very favourite expression. I mean, some of those people that lived away from their grandparents, or whose, bearing in mind, a lot of them didn't live to a great age, um, they didn't have the kind of background that I had. I was brought up very much like a naval rating, on the dot, at the double. Um, because my grandfather had been in the Navy, my father was in the Navy, um, although my mother didn't have any connection. Um, it was a routine. Everything was based on routine. So that as soon as you were able to start school, you went to Sunday school. From Sunday school, you went to church. You came home, this was Sunday morning, then you came home. And Sunday meal was about one o'clock. But Sunday school started again at half past two. After Sunday school, you don't race the streets. Because you're in your best clothes, you go for a walk. With the family? Um, no, you would break away by that time. So with, with your friends? Yes. Yeah. Um, but you could, didn't go... No, you, you didn't see groups of girls like you do now. It was just one special one. And when, when you would walk, when you would just walk, would it be far or just just meander? Oh, we used to walk miles. We think nothing of um, walking from bearing in mind living in Forlington. There was all those fields. So one of the favourite walks was Bulkhampton Path, and that's the path that leads to the Hanbury Estate, as it was, Sir Cecil Hanbury, which is now Kingston Moorwood. College. So we would walk along the Bulkhampton path through Bulkhampton village and sometimes we would come back via the Stafford Road and come along the Kane Road into the Forington or we would take the other road from the village through the village and up over and come back to what we used to call Dark Hill. Um, and that's the road where they 
houses are built for the staff working at uh, Kingston Wallwood. Okay. We used to call it Yellum. I don't know what they call it now. But it's a, but you'll be in your Sunday best. Oh yes. But you'll be walking out in the countryside. Will there not be? Oh yes. Dangers of you tearing or getting something. Oh, moving? don't mention. Don't mention. There was one Sunday. One Sunday, and I wasn't very old. And I always, in the early days, I had to be lumbered with my two brothers. Sometimes one of their friends. And where the steamroller is in King's Road was known as Oddie's Meadow. And Oddie's Meadow always had cows. So that the edge nearest the river was just bog where the cows used to stand in the stream. A great favourite of mine was picking wild flowers. There was always flowers in the house. You always picked flowers for your mother. So I was picking cuckoo flowers, I suppose. And my brother fell in one of these bogs. Oh! Of course, I was blamed for not looking after him. I remember that vividly. Vividly. You must have been absolutely horrified when he did it, because you mm. knew you would have been blamed. Another Sunday, we went up over where John Mayo lives. His house is on the bridge. Where um, they hold the Dorchester show. That was Mayo's fields. And there was a, a sort of a pit. Um, I don't know what they, well, I've no idea what, the, how it came about, whether they dug out earth or chalk or something. And there was a, a goat tied up. And this goat uh, was roaming around loose. Oh. This mate of my brothers, bearing in mind they were only about, what, ten, eight, ten, annoyed this goat, so we had to run like the devil out of this field. Yes, that, that was another pantomime. And it didn't, okay. Uh, and were you allowed to just roam across fields, all right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because in those days you didn't really have things like public footpaths, did you? No, 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 no. The only public footpath, well, that wasn't a public footpath, was um, because all the land belonged to the Hanbury estate, which is against Morwood. And Sir Cecil Hanbury always paid for the gravel because he liked to walk from his house, against Morwood, into Dorchester. So that path was immaculate. It was beautiful, gravel, fresh gravel, and everybody used it because he owned it. He didn't make any difference. He didn't object, and there was no gates or stiles on that path at all. It was quite a clear path. Now, of course, it's all divided up with gates and whatnot. And would people cycle on the path, or was it just walking? I because oh no no. They didn't, they couldn't afford bicycles. Couldn't afford bicycles. Until they started working. 
And bearing in mind the boys went to work when they were 12. 12? Not 14? Twelve. No. And there was queues at the shops. My younger brother went to Timothy White's. My elder brother went to Freeman Hardy and Willis. They all got jobs out of school hours and Saturdays. The brewery employed quite an army of youngsters and they used to go kiln pricking. I think they were paid something like three and six. What's kiln pricking? Cleaning the kilns where they roasted the hops. Kiln pricking was on their knees. Cleaning out these uh, kilns. Okay, but that was yeah, but that was after school though, really. It was after or, school. Or summer holidays. Yes, summer holidays. Um, some were lucky enough to do extra time. Oh yeah, they found they found them work to do. They found them work to do. Um, the families were couldn't get you out to work quick enough. There was none of this nonsense, you know, welfare state and all this carry on. And and um, boys were very hard on their clothes. So they went and they, they those that needed the money uh, got these jobs and that's how they got their first bicycle. Okay, they didn't have to give all their money to their parents? Yeah. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, yes, in many cases... But in many cases, that's how you could buy a bicycle for one and sixpence a week. You see, which was probably quite a lot of money then. Again. It was a lot of money. Bearing in mind the average wage was about two pounds. Rent possibly about ten shillings a week. Um, Hardy's Avenue, the rent there was seven and six a week. The first council houses, Mari Road. They were about seven and six a week. Yes. Um, so the field outside of Fordson where you'd play, um, would there be a lot of children playing on that? that you'd play? The field at, outside at Fordington, Salisbury, was it called Salisbury? Salisbury Field, yes, yes. yes. There'd be lots of um, children playing. Yeah, yes, coming and going. And they'd all be the children that would live around in, in Fordington? Yeah. Um, that's interesting too, because everybody's community um, stayed within that community. It was very seldom for people, youngsters, to come from St George's Road up to Salisbury. It was quite a long walk anyway, you know. But there were strangers in the camp if they if they came from somewhere else, you know. And the grove, there was quite a lot of children lived down the grove. Or at the barracks at the... Yes, down over the hill, mm. down the grove, because there was a lot of cottages there, you see, up until after the so war. So what would happen if a, if, a, if, a strange, if a stranger, a strange young person, entered Salisbury Well, Hills? they weren't... They weren't very welcome, necessarily. And, and and if they came, it was maybe only once or twice they didn't come. <laughs> but the, there was this... All this, this community spirit, little... You know, the the mothers and fathers tended to do that. Mm. And the other thing, 
the men were very loyal to certain popes. Um, my grandfather wouldn't go up to the Union Arms, which is now the, what is it? What's the Union Arms? Quakers? Jehovah's? Quakers, I think, in Hollywood. Wouldn't go up there, seemed like the landlady. And you needed a stepladder to get down to the beer. <laughs> this sort of thing, you see. If the landlord said the wrong thing, no, they never went back. They did walk to the other end of the town rather than go in. <laughs> and um, they became part of the community. Mm. Um, I mean, ben, would you play, because there'd be a number of different age groups within in Salisbury Fields, would you play with different ages or would you just play with people of your age? No, different ages. Okay. But as I say, um, I think it's very difficult for your generation and others to visualise that all that happened when they were very young. Boys were too busy working. There was no. There was a very small, small time. It's like say between the ages of eight and twelve. You talk about four years. That's right. Not not long. The emphasis was not on play. The emphasis was on discipline and work. Mm. You're brought up to work. When I went to my my went to my father's funeral, I was ten and three months. It was a terrible day. It had been snowing, bitterly cold. And we went to his grave, Forrington Cemetery. And we came back to my home, my mother's house, next to the door to my grandmother. And the first thing my grandmother said, now you've got to help your mother. So from then on, I had to get meals, do shopping, various things like that. But you were probably doing that already, but you just had to do more of it. Yes, yes. And yeah. look after your younger brothers. I would be sent on errands and I did most of the shopping. Yeah, mm. yeah. And shopping there would be constant every day. Oh yes, you. yeah. Because yeah. you wouldn't have fridges or... No, and the other, the other thing which I didn't mention that played a big part in my childhood was the fact that I wasn't allowed to run the streets like a hooligan. No, no and my grandmother insisted that I went for walks with her. August 1934, they had the centenary of the Topadal Martyrs. And I think back now, nothing changes. We were walking down Holloway Road, my grandmother and I, I was nine, and there was this little old man sat in the doorway. And this was a favourite thing. People didn't shut and lock their doors like they do now. They would stand in their doorway and chat. And this old man was sitting on a stool in the doorway, and it was a beautiful sunny day. And my grandmother, of course, knew everybody, and everybody knew. Um, so she stopped to talk to this 
old boy. I could see him now. He was a little old man and his eyes were sort of half shut. And they had quite a conversation. And we started off and she said, he must have spoken to me or she, I don't know actually what happened. And she said to me, and now you can say you've spoken to the son of one of the Topadal Martyrs. And this was Billy Hammett, the son of James, who's buried at Puddletown. And she knew him, you see, very well. And he ended his days with an Irish widow lady um, in Holloway Road. And the reason my grandmother made a point of talking to him, she wanted to know what was going on, as everybody did. They all minded everybody else's business. Had he been to the corn exchange and he didn't know what she was talking about? And she said, well, didn't they come down and tell you? No, they didn't. And he never went to any of the festivities. There was a week of festivities with the TUC in Dorchester. And there was a play in the Corn Exchange depicting what happened. Because my mother's cousin was in this play. And poor Billy Hammett never knew anything about it. They never thought we were involved no. in him? No. Never made any inquiries at all. Nothing changes, the sort of thing happens today. So, so, you, so really, you didn't have a lot of chance to um, have have play, really, then, because you no. were from from the age of ten, really. You're pretty much working all your time. Oh yes, I was. I was grown up. I never had. I don't think any of us, if we were. I mean, my childhood was different. I realised that as I grew older, but I, I didn't need to grow older. I knew I was different. <laughs> Um, when you think of leaving school you see you left school the day before you left school you were a school girl the day you left school and the day after you were an adult there was no such thing as a teenager that word never entered the vocabulary until after the war so you had to dress and behave like an adult yes even as a school Girl. Oh, oh, absolutely. Mm. Oh, yes, absolutely. It was young ladies don't do that, and young ladies don't do the other, you know. Um, and so you were groomed um, to behave like that. I mean, that's how employers treated you. The other thing, when you went for a job, where you lived counted, how you spoke counted. You, that was where you learnt to drop your Dorset accent or your Dorset words, because they wouldn't have employed you. They wouldn't have employed you at all. And where you lived, as I say, was important. There's another interesting thing 
I was born, you see, I said this to another woman, we were at school together. I said, do you realise, Audrey, the, the Great War had only been finished six years when we were born? And it was at the time when ex-servicemen with one leg would sit in South Street with pictures on the pavement because it wasn't considered begging. They were offering something. And I can remember vividly men on the road in the 30s um, walking like just like Norman Tebbett said, his father got on a bike and biked miles to get a job. So they walked to get work. And I'm talking in the Depression, the early 30s. And these men would have a, a billy can and they would knock the door and ask if it could be filled with tea and could you spare some bread? And my mother, and of course, but of course, if there was a policeman, they dare not do it because they'd be in jail. For begging. For begging. And my mother would take this billy can and she used to say to them, my little girl, I'll bring you this, but you go round the corner by the school and wait because there's a policeman lives down the road. There wasn't. But this was to encourage them not to hang about in the road. Somebody else might report them. So they used to go around the corner to school. Mother would fill this and perhaps find a slice of bread. And I would have to take this up to the beggar, man that was begging. I can remember that vividly. Mm. And bear in mind, we were on the bread line. Yeah. But that was the kind of thing that people did. Everybody, it was only through old, few old miseries, you know, that wouldn't have helped anyway. But very few, very few, they all, they all just did things for one another. And and so you, you used to go shopping from the age of 10 and where, so you would go what, down the high street, where, where would be your local shops? Oh, you didn't have local shops. You you only had you only had the little sweet shop come grocery shop. Um my mother shopped mostly at Lipton's. Lip Lipton's because mainly um when her brother left school, he went to Lipton's and then joined the Navy in the First World War. So and also her mother always shopped at Lipton's. So my mother shopped at Lipton's. Where was Lipton, sorry? Lipton's was uh, in Side Street. Um, I'm just trying to think what there is there now. Poundland, Poundland was, was Woolworths. And then next to Woolworths was a little sweet shop. And then next to that was Lipton's. Quite a small shop, really thinking back um, and that would that would be like a, a, a grocer's that was groceries and this was in a time when grocers were grocers green grocers were green grocers um, 
News agents were news agents. Tobacconists were tobacconists. They didn't all encroach on other people's territory. They stuck to what they sold. Um, and your mother would have an account with the shop, would she? Oh, you didn't have an account. So when you went shopping, your mother would give you some money? Yeah, yeah. And I can tell you, New Zealand butter was one and threepence. A tin loaf was four halfpenny. Bearing in mind the, the baker called, a log man came with logs on a Saturday. I used to sell apples as well at this time of the year. Um, Milkman called. And they all became friends, you know. They would come into the house, open the door and walk in. The, the, the baker um, used to walk in when Mother was bathing us on a Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in front of the fire. Saturday mornings. And stand, and stand there talking to your mother. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was when we were very small, of course. Um, but that, but so you'd mainly just go to Lipton's on on the high street for your, for yes, your shopping. Yes, yes, yeah. My mother had been in service, so she was very fussy about certain items, even though we didn't have much money. My grandmother always had camp coffee. Always. Mm. Don't want that chicory muck, my mother used to mm. say. <laughs> I quite liked it. I think we did when we went into my grandmother's, which we did quite often. Um, yeah, she, she would have to, but my mother would go to Tizard's and have coffee beans ground. And she used to make it in a jug. And that was a, a treat for her. Because, of course, it was more expensive. I was going to say, that must have been quite unusual in those days, really. For... Yes, but, of course, she'd been in service, you see, so she uh, she liked that, the coffee bit. She wouldn't drink camp coffee. I'd forgotten what else. Um... Oh, yes. One of her great treats for herself, because we didn't like it, which wasn't very often. A treat was a treat, I can tell you. She used to make herself an egg custard in the oven after she'd cooked the Sunday dinner. And then she would sit and eat this egg custard. My grandmother wasn't, we didn't like going in there very much. Didn't like her cooking. <laughs> pastry was awful. Um, my mother was very good at pastry and cake making. Um, but of course, we didn't dare say anything. <laughs> um, the other, the other thing, interesting thing, when Woolworths opened, which was a great event, my grandfather on a Saturday would buy a pound of licorice all sorts. A pound of licorice all sorts. And they were kept in a tin on top of the dresser. 
and every morning before school we each had three sweets. Every morning. So you'd leave your home and you'd call in on your grandparents. We didn't leave our home, it was only next door. You would knock, knock on the... No, no, you didn't knock. You just, you just walked in. Okay. You just walked in. We had our sweets. Then on Wednesdays and Saturdays, when my grandmother went shopping, when well, he used to go shopping with her, uh, they would buy three halfpenny buns in Hun in Gregory's, which became Humphreys in High East Street. And those halfpenny buns were as big as the buns you get now. What we pay now for something like 30, 35 pence or something. Three halfpenny buns. So we each had a current bun for tea on a Wednesday and a Saturday. And they were, they were your treats then? And that was our treats. And if, if the, the, I was always on the dot because um, I slept in that house when I was seven and I never went back in to sleep in my mother's house. Oh. Oh, really? So, for, so even though you were like, doing all the errands and things your mum, you were sleeping at your grandparents? Yes. Yes. And that happened because in 1932, my grandfather took me to visit my father's parents who lived in Dover. My father was a Doverman. And my uncle that, that lived at home had got married, so there was a spare bedroom. And my mother had somebody visiting. So the little room that I had in my mother's was occupied. So I went next door. And from then on, I never slept in my mother's house. So even though the visitor left? Sorry? Even though the visitor left at your mother's house? Oh yeah, I never went back. Oh. They couldn't get used They'd had five children. They, my grandfather couldn't get used to an empty house. Mm. So he liked nothing better than to fill the house up, you see. Mm. <laughs> so therefore, that was the end of the playtimes, mm. really. Yeah. Because wherever they went, I went with them. But you still had a bit, because I... Um, oh, I did a bit, I yes. say, so Sunday after Sunday school, you had... A chance to walk out with a friend. Oh yes, yeah, so, yeah. So to go out for a walk in, in in the country. Yes, yes, but that wasn't exactly play. Well, well, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting. That's... It was recreation. Okay. It was recreation. Okay. And then right. Sunday nights, it was church again with my grandparents. You see. And and you had a dolls pram for a while though. So how old were you when you had when you played with the dolls pram? That was younger then, was it? I had a doll's pram when I was very young. Yeah. I must have been about three, four when I had the first doll's pram. And then I was given another one. And I was still pushing that doll's pram out when I was 10, 11. That's when my child was really finished. That's when it really finished. What about 
Did, did they, either your mother or your grandparents, have a radio in the house? No, not until we couldn't afford a wireless. We never radio, it was wireless. <laughs> when my mother's brother uh, went off to the Royal Navy in the war, when the war finished, and I've been thinking about this a lot, because the Australian Navy has just celebrated its centenary. After the First World War, there was a reciprocal arrangement. And my mother's brother then went to the Australian Navy for seven years. Now, that must have been the Australians building up. I, I don't know the story behind it. When you're growing up and all this is going on, you don't want to know about it. You, you don't want to be... You're too busy thinking about your own, what you want to do. So I can't tell you what no. it was. I've been... It would be easy to, for me to find out because mm. I belong to the Naval Association. But there were some... They, they must have been in their... It was in its infancy. And he ended up doing seven years in the Australian Navy. He was in the Australian Navy when my mother got married in 1922. So I was always hearing about this mysterious uncle. And I can remember... Um, getting it into my head, coming home from school, was Uncle Arthur going to be there? I was that keen, this mysterious man, you know? So it was when he came back to England, and I don't know exactly when it would have been, early 30s, he bought them their first wireless with an accumulator. But my grandfather never touched it. It was always my grandmother. And uh, one of the things when I went shopping with her, which was quite often, she had a Dorothy bag with a string. And in this bag was the accumulator. So she would take it to Juna Norcombe in South Street, which was next to the... Wait, Rose Arcade. There was an electrical shop there. And uh, she would take in one accumulator and bring back the other one. Okay. They so accumulator, you mean a battery? They used to charge it up. Yes. Like a battery. That's okay. right. Yeah. That was the name of the accumulator. Okay. And she would pick this up. And then, of course, it was all right to tune in with the wireless. Because I hadn't, so you hadn't really got electricity in the house then at this time? Sorry? You didn't have electricity in the house? No, she had oil lamps. Oil lamps until after the war, Second World War. Oh, as late as that. Um, we had gas. My, grand, my father had to pay for the gas to be brought up the road. So we were the first ones in the terrace to have gas. But only in the downstairs. It was candles upstairs. It was too dangerous upstairs. So we had candles. And we stayed that way till long after the war. But the next door neighbour to my grandmother had been in the army and was an electrician. 
and he came and wired up my grandmother's house when he did his mother's, who lived next door. Um, and that would have been about 1947, 48. Who mm -hmm. oh, knows, no electricity. We didn't have, we didn't have a wireless until the war. And it was one and sixpence a week, and it was radio relay. Was. And that was a wonderful system for people that couldn't afford a wireless. You see, my mother's pension, widow's pension at that time, was 21 shillings a week and 10 shillings and that went on the rent. Mm -hmm. And she could get a pound a week from the parish. And in between she worked spasmodically, you know. But there was no sort of Childcare and that sort of thing, you know. What's a, what's a radio relay? Radio relay. Well, I, I'm not sure where it operated, but I think it was in Lawn Road. And you had the home service and the lights service. And that was two stations. And it operated... Um, somebody had a a centre and then the, the houses were wired up to this centre and they operated this radio relay system. Oh, okay. They also had a shop in High East Street. Um, the man in charge of it was a Mr Brown. He lived in Cobalt Road. It was one and six a week. So we were able then to I mean, it was a big step forward for us. So, so one person would have like a radio receiver. And yes. Then, and, then, and then wires would be connected yeah. to the other houses yeah. to share. It was, it was, um, they had quite a few customers, as you can imagine, mm. you know. Seems more, seems more, like I say, it's hard to imagine in this day, because that seems harder than actually having a radio, a wireless, a wireless than having, what happened to have a wire connecting you. Mm. Yeah. You'd have a box on the wall with um, a switch so that you could choose which station, but only had two. But then that didn't matter because in the war you only had two anyway. Okay. And that was, but then you didn't listen to the radio, so it was more for your, par your parents and your grandparents, your grandmother. They had the, they had the wireless. They had the proper wireless mm. that my uncle bought. Mm. Um, so, if we wanted to hear anything special, we went in there. But when uh, when the war came, of course, it was the start of the war. Mother let. That's how we got she got the money for this radio relay. She let one of the bedrooms. My two brothers had a bedroom, you see, so she had the one bedroom because I was in my, my grandmother's. So she let the bedroom, and that was how she could afford the one and six for the radio relay. Okay. Um, so, apart from the doll's pram, did you have any other toys that you would play with? Dolls. Dolls. 
And, and, how, and I mean, again, money was tight. How, how would you afford to buy a, a pram, the pram and dolls? The dolls pram was given to me by a neighbour. I don't know who bought me the first one, obviously. Well, there was, having the first one, there was money available. There was my father and there was my grandfather. By, by those standards, really, my grandfather was comfortably off because he served 22 years in the Navy and he served nine years in the Coast Guards. Um, yes, Coast Guards. Um, he was still comparatively young. Um, he would have been late fifties, I suppose. But he was he was able to earn a small wage. I don't know what he did exactly for a short time. But then he came on to the old age pension. So he had three pensions. So he was quite well off. So they were compared to most of the people of their age, their age group, they were very well off thinking about it. But he was so people were so keen to keep the law, he never drew his old age pension for a year. And one man that worked in the post office in the on the counters said to my grandfather once, Mr Vincent, he said, Why you not got your you're entitled to the old age pension? My grandfather says, Oh no I'm not. No I'm not, he said. I got my naval pension and my coast guard pension. And if I if I, I can't draw that with the old age pension, and my naval pension's more. Mr. Vincent, he said, you're entitled to that. So he missed a whole year. Because he thought he was, yeah. Because he thought he wasn't entitled to it. Mm. Imagine that today. Well, and that does go on, I think, actually still, that people, you know, there's always these things that we don't, a lot of people don't claim the benefits they're entitled to. Um, but, but you did, because you were doing quite a lot of work for the family, did you get pocket money? Was that a thing that you'd heard? Uh... There was no money. There was no money. I used to get tuppence a week from one of the neighbours for doing her shopping on a Saturday. Mm. But you get yeah, but so but you would get money to pay for the cinema, so so, so there would be by doing errands. Mm. You earned your money. So you you do errands for the neighbours? Yes. And they would give you Yeah. A little bit of money. A penny. Not a little bit. Penny. Yeah. And you saved it. Um and and of course family used to visit. Yeah. See? Family yeah. visits. And then of course you knew you knew that you were going to get sickness or most looked like. But that, that would be six months would be the very most. Yeah. Yeah, that, that 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 was the way really. Boys were fine. They had their jobs. Yes. They had their jobs. Oh okay, so so because you as I said you you were working to support your mother 
Yeah. That unpaid oh, yes. worker. Yeah. And yeah. But while your brothers would be going out and working for an employer yeah. and earning money yeah. and keeping a little home. Yeah. But but then again, at 14, I was working. Mm. Um, I mean, you wouldn't have had time, but did things like scouts exist or things? No, I wasn't interested. And anyway, I couldn't have afforded to go. Mm. I couldn't afford to join the guides. I never thought about it costing money. You had no. to. You needed money, you needed a uniform. At break times at school, can you remember what sort of games that might be played? Oh yeah, we used to... Uh, one of the favourite ones, of course, and, and I'm talking about primary school and pre-primary school, was some... What's the time, Mr. Wolf? That was a great favourite. Mm -hmm. And skipping ropes. Um, and hopscotch was a favourite. Um, but that was about the limit. Do you, do you remember the type of skipping games you'd play? There's quite a lot of different varieties I hear. Yeah, I can't remember. I wasn't all that interested, be truthful. I wasn't I wasn't all that that keen. So so in, in, in the break periods you would just be sitting and, and talking to a friend really? Oh not sitting. Okay. Nowhere to sit. Right. So standing. Sit. Walking around the playground yeah. and just chatting yeah. to a friend. Yes. Rather, yeah. rather than playing those games. Yeah. Um I mean, one of the things that I had to do was I was darning my own stockings at ten. You see, once you once you got on a bit, that was it. You know, that was your was your job to see that it was done. And you and you would fix your brother's clothes as well, I suppose, would you? Um. I don't remember having... No, I don't remember doing anything for them. So it would just be your own clothes you yeah, after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing... I mean... I can remember one girl that lived not far from me. She was a real little drudge. I mean, I wasn't a drudge by any means. I spent too much time with the grandparents to be a drudge, um, unfortunately. However, um, but Stella, Stella was a drudge. Her mother had had her father-in-law living there. That was a big old house that was probably tumbling down. I don't know, I was never, I never went in. Um, but her mother was a big woman, big voice, and roughish sort of. Did 
she wasn't she wasn't stupid, but she was you didn't say the wrong word, you know. It was a blow and then a word afterwards sort of thing. And Stella had to do so much work. Uh, I used to call for her at half past one to start walking to school. And bearing in mind, I used to walk from Forrington Church up to Maud Road twice a day. So you go back for you go back for lunch. Two hours we had twelve to two. Oh, okay. Twelve to two. That carried on until the war, and that changed everything. So when you say drudge, you mean something that works a lot. Yes. Yes. I remember this um, this old house where they lived had um, flagstones, and they didn't have carpet or anything. And it was Stella's job to scrub, scrub these flagstones. And the mother used to shout at me. She had she had a work to do, you know. Um, so she was a real a real little drudge. Um. So at fourteen, you um, become an adult. You suddenly okay. there's suddenly that switch where you what you leave school on a Friday and you become an That's adult right. on the Monday. That's right. Um, but that then means you've got money. Did you give all your money to your parents? I had five shillings a week, and I got a shilling back. And out of that, I had to buy my stockings. So. You had a bit of money then to go out and on recreation, on play. What would you go to? Things like dancing or well, cinema? Wasn't allowed at dancing. Dancers as such. Good Lord. <laughs> I never stayed out until I joined the Wrens. But then you see, you come on to the war years. Thing, so 1939. 30, 30, 30, yeah, okay. When things changed mm. considerably. So did you? So, so when you left school, when you would have been too young to enter. When I left school, I didn't go straight to work because my mother was working for the governor of the prison as a cook, and she was earning more money than I was getting starting work and my first pay was five shillings so it wasn't until I'd been home about six months I suppose I did go to night school to learn bookkeeping and I didn't pass the 11 plus. There was no point. I couldn't have gone. There was there was no money for the for the uniform, and I wanted to get out to work. You know, it was awful. I there was only one other girl in the class. I'm talking about my class, not the school, who was in the same situation. But she was an only child, and her mother worked full time. Whereas I was one of three. And my younger brother was only five when my father died. So it was a case of going without. 
and hand-me-down clothes and whatever else was available, you know, as and when. Um, so I learnt the bookkeeping, so I was, mother said I shouldn't go into service. She wouldn't like to see me in service. She had a pretty hard time in service. And so I was allowed then to go into an office. And my first job was at Boom Stores, which is now, I had to stop and think. It's next to Timothy White's. What is there there now? That's right, the shoe shop. Clark's shoe shop. And then there's a couple of phone shops or something or other mm. there. Okay, but yeah. that was that was where Boone's store was. Okay. There, yeah, along close, there. Close to Boots, where Boots is. Yes, except that Boots was only about the side of this house. Mm. No, it was a small shop. And there was this double-fronted grocery shop. And I, I, that was my first job, yeah. right there. And I left there and went to the foundry. My uncle worked at the foundry and he said, they want somebody in the office there. And I got 10 shillings a week. Going down to the iron foundry. Okay. So quite quite an increase, really. Mm. And, then, and is that when you started to learn bookkeeping? I I learnt bookkeeping at the night school. Mm. So you started that straight away while you were at the gro while you were at the grocers. Yes, and um, it was just general office work, you know, mm. opening the mail and dusting the office desks and that sort of thing. So when your money went up to 10 shillings, would you would you be allowed to keep a little bit more of that money? I think I got half a crown. Yeah, I got half a crown. Yeah. So would you go, I don't suppose you'd go out and buy clothes? You couldn't, it was rationed. Mm. No. Oh yeah, it was rationed. 39, yes, okay. Um, but you still go, so well, you used to be going to the cinema now, but just in different type of film. Um, yes. You talked about trying to look like the film stars earlier. Well, <laughs> yeah, but that face went, you see, because the war changed everything. I mean, there was just nothing you could buy mm -hmm. to start with. Um, but getting back to this makeup. Mm. I would buy sixpenny boxes in, I mean, Woolworths was ideal. Sixpence for a box of powder in Woolworths, great. Mm. Yeah, that was all right till my grandmother found it. It went on the fire. You're not having any of that muck? No. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh. Uh, this will make you laugh. I was given half a crown to go and buy myself some corsets. <laughs> but I tried very hard to get into the 20th century, but it was an uphill struggle. 
So, so we're going to have corsets. Now, bearing in mind, they were to be corsets with steels in them. No, I came back with a roll on. They're coming back in fashion now, these things, these Bellevue things that they advertise. Nothing changes. <laughs> I came back with this roll on. Oh, I had to go back, take it back to Mr. Gilliam. Mr. Gilliam, Mr. Gilliam knew my grandmother and my mother. Drape, little draper shop opposite All Saints Church, Gilliam's. So I had to take it back. And you had to say that my grandmother says? I had to have proper corsets. Oh, um. So even though you were, like you were saying, you're you're considered an adult, you're still not really. Well, no, not well, not with the day standards. I mean, they. It must be very, very difficult for your generation. To even think of what it was like. Because to you, it's like Charles Dickens. And, and quite frankly, there's not an awful lot of difference. I mean, it was the, it was the First World War that started to change attitudes. But you see, my grandmother's favourite expression, and I've heard her tell the vicar, she used to tell everybody to put them in their place. Oh, she'd put them all in there. Told the vicar of Thornton that Mary's church was his high church. If the old queen was alive, she wouldn't allow it. That was a favourite expression. And when when my uncle bought, a bought her a television... And she saw these cowboys and Indians. Oh dear, oh dear. She thought America was loaded with bodies. Oh really? She couldn't think that they changed, you know. And uh, and it must be it must be very very difficult. Mm. But that's those ideas, you see, um, took a while to filter down. This is why, when you're doing this survey, you've got to think in two different camps. Because the people that came down from London, well, they were beyond the pale. We were in a backwater, for God's sake. You know, it wasn't that many years since a stagecoach ran through Dorchester, you know. Um, that kind of attitude... It took a long, long time. Yeah. And I, I, I think, like I say, the First World War, obviously, but the Second World War even more, was a big change in time. That after the war... Oh, yes. Um, oh, yeah. You'd mixed with other classes. You mentioned class earlier. You mixed with other classes. Yeah. Um, and I think social, social morals changed quite a lot. Beyond recognition. Beyond recognition. There were still pockets... There were still pockets after the Second World War to put, turn the clock back. Mm. It wasn't that easy. No, but it had been a big, major upheaval. Yeah, I think the major upheaval was the 60s. Well, more than the war, even. 
Yes, okay. definitely. Even in the war, they still kept up appearances. I mean, put it this way. People laugh, treat it as a huge joke. But Mrs. Bucket, and you must have seen that dozens of times, I knew a woman that was identical to Mrs. Bucket. Well, that's identical. She, that's why she's so popular, because we all could all recognise people. You see? People. Um, and, and I can think of several that were very similar. My mother-in-law, for one. <laughs> so, they've so, all gone. They've all gone now. So when when you're at um, so that brief time then when when you were an adult here in Dorchester before you joined up with the Wrens, yeah. what what sort of things would you get up to in your own free time on your leisure? Nothing very much. So you'd be going what? to work and then coming home and doing chores for your mother. Yeah. It'd be, it'd yeah. be working. Yeah. Um, Wartime, blackout. There was no lights. There was no lights. I mean, for a while, there was no cinemas. They closed. And you see, you have to also think, this town was alive with soldiers. So I wasn't allowed out to go gallivanting with soldiers. And when I did, what happened? Walking round the room, innocently. My younger brother went home and told my mother. He didn't. I freed us round the river with a soldier. So, right, my lady, you're not going out. So that's it, you see? That wasn't very good of your younger brother. And when I was... (laughs) And then, when I did eventually emerge... And there were a few dances. I had to be in at half past nine. So there was a lot of opportunity. 